Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common. Go head to head to see which one does it better. And welcome to this week's part two of Scuffle of the Schemers. So on Monday's episode, Rebecca De Mornay proved that revenge is a dish best served with breast milk. My husband makes love to you. It's my face he sees. Your baby's hungry. It's my breast that feeds him. And today, it's Jennifer Jason Lee's turn to prove that anything Bridget Fonda can do, she can do as well, as we meet the flatmate from hell in 1992's single white female. She needs me. How do you lock the terror out? Don't let me come get you! We'll have a champion at the end of the show, but which film will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. He will cheat on you again. That's a promise. And when he does, don't come crying to me because I've had it with you. You're so weak. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. And as you just heard, it's part two of this week's Scuffle of the Schemers. We did Hand That Rocks the Cradle on Monday. Today, it's single white female. But before we get into that, Christopher has an announcement Yes, you've asked for it and we are doing it. Uh, January is going to be a special month on Clash of the Titles because you are going to pick the films. We want you to email us at showatclashpod.com and tell us what pairings you want to see on the show and we will pick the ones we like the most and spend a month talking about them. Um, Equally, if you have emailed us before um, with suggested pairings, we're going to include them as well. So don't worry, they've all been read, they've all been collated. We've been saving the ones we like the most. Uh, but yeah, if you've got ideas of what you'd like to see us talk about, hear us talk about even, um, let us know. Also, we're going to do a bonus episode at the end of the year, like we did last year, kind of year in review and talking about whatever we feel like talking about, really. So if you've got any um, questions you want to ask us or if you've got any comments about the show or potential miscarriages of justice that might have happened <laughs> over the course of the year, let us know. Uh, we'll read out the best. I've got a few. 
Um, but yeah, January, January, January. Uh, uh, let us know what you want to hear on the show and we will do it. Show at ClashPod.com. Let's crack on with this week's show. Right. Uh, these were Vicky's choices. On Monday, Chris led us round the family home in The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, which means today I am showing you a gorgeous rent-controlled New York apartment complete with psychotic flatmate. Let me take you on a journey. This is the story of Buddy the dog, who after being taken in and finding some loving owners, suddenly finds himself flying through the air 12 floors down. The end. <laughs> All right, then. Got a real one. After Ali finds out that her fiancé, Sam, stopped his ex-wife, she gets rid and decides to get a new flatmate. That's when Hedy arrives. At first, she seems just wonderful. Hi, are you Alison Jones? I'm Hedrick Carlson. When can you move in? But quicker than you can say, don't buy a puppy without asking, she buys a puppy and chucks it out of the window, then murders Ali's cheating fiancé with a stiletto to the eyeball, murders pervert Ned Ryerson, and worst of all, worse than all of that, she unforgivably gets the same haircut as Ali. She needs me. Who was there for her when her boss almost raped her? Hmm? What? Who took care of her? You were off on a business trip or screwing someone. She never said a word to me about that. That's right. She told me. So, don't try and make me think that we're not close. We're, we're best friends. All because Hedy used to have a twin, but her sister died or something. Either way, it's, either way, it still seems pretty unreasonable. <laughs> Finally, Ali exhibits the strength we knew she had all along and murders Hedy with a screwdriver to the spine. But will that bring back Buddy? No, it won't. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, for your consideration, single white female. So, histories with this movie. Um. I did mine on Monday. Never seen it before. This was bloody marvellous. <laughs> I thought you'd have fun with these. Oh, God, I love this. Love this. Uh, so uh, what about you guys? Vicky? Uh, just uh, a video watch at mm. some point uh, in the early 90s. But it's it, the, the phrase like single, like doing a single white female sort of fell into like common parlance, if you will, when you do something a bit weird mm. with your friend. Um, it's something that we like to throw at each other occasionally. Yeah, it's it entered the, the lexicon of, yeah. of movie titles and uh, sayings that become commonplace in the world. For it's, I think it's obsessive behaviour. That's the main thing that people are accused of. You're being a single white female if you're being obsessive about someone or something. They're just in, copying stuff. In popular and... psychology, single white female disorder or syndrome is sometimes used to describe antisocial behaviours. Right. Like that. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, maybe it's good that that term's become something weirdly negative because on its own, single white female and the way it's used here and the way it was used at the time isn't maybe a positive thing. You know, this was this based on a book called Single White Female Six yeah. Same and it's like, oh, so it's a white woman must have a white woman living with her. She yeah, won't, yeah. She won't entertain anything else. Yeah, the book was, I think the book was, uh, it was an acronym though. It was SFW, which mm. I, I, I think if they called the film SFW, people would be like, what on earth is that? Like, I don't know that acronym. But SWF. It, SWF, sorry. <laughs> SWF. Yep, that's right. SWF uh, Seeks Same, which is the book's title, which actually, it wouldn't have worked for the movie, but is a great title because it's a play on the fact that Obviously, she seeks the same, but she doesn't actually end up want mm. wanting someone who becomes literally the same as her. 
What was your experience of this movie the first time you watched it? Mean, I said it Monday. It was a video watch the uh, the year after when it came out. Uh, right. Like a lot of these films, and most enjoyable it was too. I do like the dot 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 from hell subgenre. You do. I'm a big fan of it. I've you know what? I don't think I've ever seen the fan. You were talking about it on Monday, and I kept thinking about it. It's the Robert De Niro Wesley Snipes movie. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's terrible. Is it Tony Scott? It might be Tony Scott. It's really bad. Great. Um, but there is another film. Uh, I think it's a Dan Aykroyd comedy that has the same plot. Uh, which we could potentially do, but they're both so shit, I just don't think I've got space in my brain for it. Sounds like my kind of week. <laughs> um, all right, here's a little bit of backstory to this uh, movie. Um, it was directed by, I'm saying Barbette Schroeder, unless anyone wants to correct me. Cool, because I know he's a Swiss filmmaker, so may, do you drop the, set, the the T at the end like in French? I'm afraid I don't know. No? I, I would have said Barbet, but so I don't yes. know. <laughs> Well, it hasn't really helped. No, but I like no, I like I like what it's done to you, though. I like what it's done to you. Well, I'll be using his name scarcely for the next Call him hour. Schroeder, Mr. Schroeder, <laughs> Barbe Schroeder. I'm going with that on Chris's recommendation. Uh, respected filmmaker and documentarian. He starred in French cinema. Uh, his last major Hollywood movie was a film that starred your favourite actress, Victoria. Mm. It's where she met Ryan Gosling. Oh my God, Sandra and the film is Murder by Numbers is correct yeah he directed Murder by Numbers uh, he's described a lot as a maverick mm. filmmaker and in this instance uh, the word maverick refers to how he got his first American language feature made which was 1987's Barfly which he also got a Best Director Oscar nomination for uh, apparently uh, Canon Films uh, who were behind it looked like they were going to pull the plug he went into the head of the studio's office with a chainsaw and threatened to cut off his little finger if they didn't make his fucking movie uh, and so they did make the movie classic barbet <laughs> uh, so that is that's Maverick that is how you define Maverick it's written by Don Ruse uh, who was a real indie darling uh, not so long ago uh, for the Christina Ritchie movie The Opposite of Sex which he wrote and directed and more recently uh, tapped into the greatest moment in Single White Female and expanded it into a feature. I truly believe people's reaction to Buddy's demise is why he wrote Marley and Me. <laughs> I mean, honestly, either that or this guy fucking hates Labradors. I don't know if it's all dogs or just Labradors, but he's made a mint of killing dogs oh, in I films. I haven't seen Marley and Me. Is that, is that what happens? Yeah, okay. sorry. Spoiler. I know you hate spoilers about movies we aren't doing, but yeah, the dog fucking dies. Uh Based on a novel uh, by a guy called John Lutz. I already touched on that. Uh, single white female SWF seeks same. Uh, the only thing that I really find out, found out uh, was that despite um, Barbette Schroeder um, exploring interesting aspects of homoeroticism in his films uh, and Don Ruse, the writer, being a gay man himself, there are some who suggest this film is lesbian phobic. Mm -hmm. because of Hedy being sexually attracted to Ali. And so this film is often lumped in with that canon of films from the era in which the killers were often LGB, LGTBQ. <laughs> Get that right. Is that right? LGBTQ. That is, is that what you said? Yeah, that is what I said. TB, but it's fine. Yeah, there you go. SWF. SFW. SFW is actually a film. I'm having a fucking nightmare with acronyms today. I've seen that. LOL. But yeah, where the killers were often LGBTQ, 
And that it, it's, it's VT, it's VT, not TV. I mean, it doesn't matter. The point is getting the letters out, but lucky <laughs> uh, Basically, films that if you broke the conservative values of the the Reagan and also the the Clinton era America, uh, you were a wrongun. Uh, two of those kind of films, which we've actually discussed on this pod, uh, which Basic Instincts being mm-hmm. another example, and Silence of the Lambs being another. Personally speaking, it wasn't my read of the film because I think Hedy is kind of confused, uh, too confused to actually fit that mould in terms of you're never really sure what she wants from Ali. Although I do think towards the end, with the kiss where Ali basically pacifies her and goes, hey, here's a kiss, it does lean more on potentially fitting into that category. Mm -hmm. Thoughts? I think it all depends on where you think Hedy's coming from. I think the film is quite confused over that, and I'm quite confused over it, what, what she's doing and why. Mm. So I think it depends what you're reading on that is, whether whether this is sort of an issue where it's presenting, you know, someone who's a lesbian as as being dangerous because they're a lesbian. Yeah, I didn't see that, but I was. that's because I was distracted by how my simmering anger towards of how exploitative the nudity felt and how unerotic this erotic thriller was. And I didn't realise that the source material was written by a man and then I did realise, and then I was more mad about that. It's interesting because you said last week, you were like, oh, it's pretty sexy. Mm. It falls way short of basic instinct in terms of what I... Mm. If I if I rented this going, it's called an erotic thriller and mm. no one's at home tonight, <laughs> I would have been disappointed. I think what immediately sprung to mind at that point was the uh, blowjob scene. Right. In a weird way. And so I think. Are you admitting that? <laughs> that's so not erotic. Yeah, I think that's the most memorable scene. That's 100% the most memorable scene from this film. Okay. Um, it's awful. We'll talk about it. Yeah, it's horrible. Right, I mean, it's, okay. it's shocking and it's weird. And, uh, we'll, but you, it's I've got it's not erotic. <clears throat> no, but I think. In I my need head, you I to thought, say <laughs> that. If, if we're going to go on making this podcast together, I need you to say it's not erotic. It, Alex. Might, it might not be erotic, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. It might not be. I mean, also, this film isn't a fan of um, straight men, though, I think, as well. I think I was said the nudity is exploitative on both sides. Like, we'll get to it, but. When um, Ali reconnects with her fiance, they're both very naked, and it just and so there's parity there. But it's it just felt like okay, everybody just take your clothes off, and I just think oh okay, like well, Barb is is European, so I do um, have a thing. There's a bit where she I, I was quite surprised the first time you see her completely naked and her buttocks are on show when she gets out of bed at the start. Um, yeah, I personally I don't like. Sleeping naked. It's not something I'm. I'm I, I like. And we know. I, 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 we know. Okay, good. We well, don't need to go there. Then we, I've, we've established that <laughs> I don't like. I don't like sleeping naked. I think if you're you, never nude, aren't you? If you sleep <laughs> never knowingly nude. <laughs> if you sleep naked, I think you should be cleaning your sheets a lot more. Well, just do that then. <laughs> or put some fucking pajamas. Because you know how, how, how much hassle it is to strip a bed. I do. Right. Yeah, I furious when yeah. I have to change the bed. Furious. That's why your kids should wear pajamas in bed. <laughs> Ooh, that went too far. <laughs> right then, uh, we've already talked about single white female uh, entering the lexicon of slang to describe someone who is obsessive. Uh, my question is, whereas Fatal Attraction gave us Bunny Boiler, how did Puppy Chucker? <laughs> how did Puppy Chucker not become a similar thing? Because I I want to start a campaign now. You know, albeit thirty years too late sure. for Puppy Chucker to be the new Bunny Boiler. Do what you got. Now do. you're a dog owner. Do you find dog death harder to 
watch. Absolutely. Could you not tell from my introduction where I decided to I pitch, hard yes. pitch yeah. this whole movie as about the story about Buddy and his short life living with two women who he loved? Yep. <laughs> Awful. That shot from above where his body is just prone <laughs> and there's blood around it. We'll get to it. It's upsetting. So, any more for the backstory to how this got made or shall we go through the movie? Let's do it. All right, then. So uh, the prologue, uh, we see two twins uh, who are doing each other's makeup. Uh, we already know because of science, one twin is evil. Uh, would you? <laughs> uh, they're toddlers, though, as well. They're very, well, not toddlers, but they're young. They're they very are young little girls. They are young. Uh, so you have twins, Victoria. Yep. Is this true? Uh, is one of them evil? Mm. I've told you this before. Um, when they were born... I, I was I had my suspicions, <laughs> but then they get older and they get personalities, and no one of them is not evil. But in those dark days where everyone's like, "Oh, you've got twins, double blessings," and you're like, "Yeah, do you want that one?" <laughs> so, well, I'm, yeah. I'm engaged to an identical twin. Yes, and I can say definitely one of them is evil, and it's the one I've got. And also, yeah, I will say <laughs> a thousand percent. Yeah. Identical no, twins are evil. Mine are non-identical. <laughs> so then, once once they grew up and they started to not, because all babies look exactly the same, right? Even really to me, mm. um, as their mother. And then once they started, <laughs> are to you look sure the ones you've got are yours? <laughs> <laughs> it was very very tiring time for me. But when they start to look different, I was like, oh, that's cool. You're just two different people. But identical twins, no shade on your wonderful, beautiful fiance. But it, that is weird. Mm. Mm-hmm. It is. Oh, I agree. Well, uh, we then flash forward to Ali, who lives on the 12th floor of a rent-controlled apartment block in New York. Is everyone happy with what rent control means in the US? I had to look it up. I think I know. So you that apartment is yours forever and the rent stays the same? Don't know about the first bit, but yeah, basically a mm. landlord can only charge you so much rent. Okay. They can't just go, I've decided I want a million pounds a day yep. for okay. it. So that's what a rent-controlled apartment is. So I think comes in to uh, importance uh, in a little bit as to why she takes on a flatmate because I'm not clear about that. Uh, but first of all, I just want to get two things out of the way. Do not set a movie on the 12th floor of an apartment block if you're going to have a neighbour who lives the floor above mm-hmm. but is on the 14th floor because in fucking New York City, they don't build buildings with a 13th floor because of superstition or they mm. didn't for a while, which is just so confusing when you're watching this movie and they keep hitting the buttons and it's like 12 and 14. Like, well, if Graham lives on 14, mm. how does he live the floor above? Why are you not establishing the fact there is no 13th floor? Set it on 9 and 10. <laughs> I agree, because honestly, if you haven't been to New York, you might not know this. Yeah. yeah you know weird trait it's 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 just so frustrating that you're like what what so anyway yeah and also do not call a character graham in a movie that you were going to sell in the uk because then we spend the whole time going why does she keep going graham yeah what is that graham yeah and also he looks exactly like sam so (laughs) it's very hard when you're establishing the characters and you're trying to find your way in the world sam and graham are Mm. identical men yeah, uh, Graham is is just it's it's just not the right name. It's not the right name. So those are two things. I'm glad I've got them out of the way. Uh, interestingly, uh, if you uh, were to set the movie in Shanghai, lifts in Shanghai don't have a fourth floor or a fourteenth floor either because of how four sounds like death in Chinese. Really? Or thirteen. So they're missing three floors. Okay. So of the two, this is better. Tangent. Right. We meet Ali in a post-coital embrace with her fiancé, Sam. Sam is the kind of dipshit who <laughs> says things like, you can have any wedding you want, like underwater. I love that it's his first option. Anything you want, underwater. Oh, yeah, great. Okay. 
not outside or a small wedding or whatever, an underwater wedding. He throws the options underwater or horseback riding. And you're like, what a dipshit. And then you realise how well suited they are because she goes, or naked skydiving. Oh. And you're like, you guys belong together. <laughs> yeah. You're both idiots. Yeah. Both idiots. Uh, there's an interview with Stephen Webber, a contemporary one, uh, one now, <clears throat> um, talking about this film. And she, he said that it was a very enjoyable experience for him because he said I was essentially playing myself. <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't joking. Like, he was serious. Like, it was easy because this guy was a lot like me. That doesn't reflect well on you, Stephen no, Webber. <laughs> No, uh, uh, apologies, Stephen, for using dipshit, uh, but strap in, because uh, the next paragraph is not going to cheer you up either. Anyway, uh, Sam takes his dipshittery to the next level by agreeing to take a phone call from his ex-wife while lying next to Ali, despite the fact he had sex with her yesterday, which Ali obviously finds out immediately. Yeah. Um, this is our introduction to the first dick man in this uh, show. What What's... What was he thinking? What a stupid thing to do. I mean, I get the fact it moves the plot on quickly, but geez, dude, just go, I'll call you back. There was only a brief amount of time, though, where this could have happened in in history when you've got an answer machine that would answer and could play play out loud what your conversation is. It wouldn't happen now. No. You would have got away with it. Um, So next we meet a good man who is Graham or Graham. Is he? Yeah. What's he doing when we meet him? He's listening <laughs> to oh, their no, conversation. Yeah. And I feel like they do a sneaky thing here. I think they set him up a little bit like he fancies her and that he's listening in and it, maybe it turns him on or he's listening to find out facts. I think they do a switcheroo with his character. Okay. I'm interested because I read a few pieces online about him and they describe him as gay. He's, oh no, he is. He, no, later he, about in half, about half an hour in, he says he's gay. But does to, he? To, yeah, yeah, oh, he does. Okay, okay. I yeah, missed yeah, yeah. that because I was so confused. No, he's he's very clear about Fine. it. But until he says that, he's he's her friend who's listening in. I feel like he's kind of being a bit sly. Yeah, it you, makes sense that he's gay because you know she does literally turn up after booting Sam out in the tiniest silk dressing yeah. gown in the I world. I can't be alone. Will you <laughs> sleep with me? That to me is like, well, yeah, come in. I mean, really, but you don't know he's gay. In that scene, no. so it really throws you off. Like, what's going on? Like, why? Yeah, mm. that and why is he? Li- why is he listening to them without? Why is he not telling her that he can hear everything she's saying? Oh, because he needs to save that for later. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> the, most, the most inconvenient time. But you do know. <laughs> but he's a really good bloke, and that's not a really good bloke thing to be doing. Yeah, I like I like Graham, um, hmm. but uh, he is uh, he, he's in the minority because uh, setting up all our dominoes early on, we meet uh, Dick Man number two, uh, who's Mitch, uh, played by Stephen Tobolowski. What's his last name? This is brilliant. <laughs> so the actor plays Groundhog Day's Ned Ryerson, yep. and here, no joke, he plays Mitch Myerson. <laughs> <laughs> so when we did, when we did, I think the Groundhog Day episode, I told you that story which. Was, maybe it wasn't that interesting, but I like it, about the fact that Radiohead are named after him, basically. Yes. I've got another story about him that I read this week. Go. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Stephen Tobolowski was almost murdered twice in one week in Hartford, Connecticut, by different people. <laughs> As he admitted, that's unusual. <laughs> uh, the, the first instance occurred when he was in a pub. Um, after a brawl with a man who was attacking the woman he was with, he was held at gunpoint until the police showed up. Later that week, um, he went to a pizza parlour next to the pub and he was stabbed. Uh, fortunately, the knife only partly penetrated his belt buckle. Wow. <laughs> 
Jeez. Anyway, that's my Stephen Tobolowski fact for How the day. How soon was it after this came out? Because he is a dick in this. Um, <laughs> and Basic Instinct, he, he did both these films that year. Mm. Uh, he's a guy in this who Ali wants to work for. She's a software designer and she's damn good. But he's only going to pay her a fraction of what she's worth because various reasons, but mainly we need to see he's a dick. Yeah. Um, with the potential as well to grow into a bigger dick. Um, so at this point, my question is, so Ali decides she wants a roommate. I might have missed it because I clearly missed it. Graham says, I'm gay. Um, is it because of money or is it because she just wants company? Because she she's company. lonely. Yeah, she's lonely. Right. Someone, Graham says to her, are you going to call him, Sam? Uh, blah blah blah, and she says, "If I," she basically says, "If I've got a roommate, it will stop me from doing that." Right, and it's one of the themes of the film is whether or not uh, is whether Ali can't be on her own. Yeah, it's right. literally what Hetty starts saying in the film. And you know what? She's probably right. She's very needy, and she can't be on. She can't be on her own. That makes sense because I just wondered with all this stuff about rent control. I think they were setting up the idea that she didn't need to do it for money, so it is a choice, which makes everything make more sense mm -hmm. if she's chosen to do it. Fine, fine, fine. Got it now. Good. Uh, so she invites um, uh, some people round. <laughs> To, uh, Remarkable seed. See Remarkable. Yeah. It's, it's the shallow We've seen this scene already. Uh, mm. Since on this shallow grave, have this scene. Yep. Um, this is a different version of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a montage of prospective roommates. Uh, in order, the mannish applicant, the exotic applicant. <laughs> now, wait a second. Is yeah. that Where are you getting that from? The script? I was waiting for you to do Yeah, this. you, no, you no, set her up no, there because no, I know no, where you got that from. I wrote it down as well. Go, let her go. Let her have a go at go me. On, have a go at him. Yeah. The skinny girl in the black dress. She's the exotic. Exotic. She's the exo oh, I can't even. That's so wrong. What is she? What has she done wrong exactly to get the look of like you can't have this room? She eye fucked her. She, yeah, she, looked, <laughs> she looked her up and down. No, she did. She looked her up and down. I think that's the really uh, did she? But it's weird because then the, and, and this plays into this question mark over 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 you know what underlies this film is that the, the, there's then two lesbians that, that, yep. that they're suggesting there that she's turned down because they're lesbians. Right. Yeah. Does this film have a, have an issue with that? Yeah. I really miss that. I'm yeah. just like this poor girl. She's done nothing wrong. Yeah, well, uh, or or is it or was it is it because she was too pretty? She's very pretty. Yeah. She's ridiculous skinny. looking. They're she's so pretty, and she's called exotic um, applicant in on IMDb. Um, and in the credits of the movie, it's not just IMDb. That someone who wrote that isn't to blame. Like the first uh, applicant is called in the credits the mannish applicant. Oh no. Yeah. So. Um, she, the final one, though, is called The Perfect Applicant. And uh, I, I'm not cool about Ali taking photos of them. Um, I don't think you need that to remember who they are. I think it makes Ali look like a bit of a dick. Yeah. I think she comes off badly taking these Polaroids. Um, but then very quickly we learn that perhaps photographs have a very powerful effect on Ali because she's about to call The Perfect Applicant when she spots a photo of Sam on the fridge and starts crying, uh, possibly because it's the most ridiculous photo you've ever seen for a woman to cry over. Why it's not a photo of the two of them together, I do not know. What it is, is him clinging to a chain link fence with his hands and feet looking like he's taking a shit. He's trying to break in somewhere. <laughs> and she's like, oh, Sam. Oh, God. When you scaled that border. <laughs> what a photo. What's the thinking? Just them nuzzling together. Great. Him going, hang. I'm on a fence. I'm on a fence taking a shit. He's so, it was so funny when he pretended to take a shit. Anyway, uh, she's crying as enter Hedy, Jennifer Jason Lee. 
thoughts on her in this movie? Because I think, given what she has to work with, she's fucking brilliant. Yes, agreed. Agreed. Yep. Okay, good. <laughs> um, uh, they first bond um, over both being sprayed by water from a broken tap because it's the 90s. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> and a trope of 90s films is women getting wet. They find fucking hilarious. Just no, it's one, fun. Just it one fun. minute. Just one minute. When I saw the scene, I was like, you are fucking kidding me right now. And then I, then I was like, but it, the, the source material must have been written by a woman. And that's just not a woman I understand. And that is plausible. And then it's written by a man. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, so this male fantasy that we get soaked to the skin. And we're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Rather than being like, oh, fuck, right, I will just leave. I'm obviously not, not going to take my gloves off. It's not like, a fantasy for the writer, though, because he's, he's a gay man, so this isn't this isn't getting him off. Right, okay, but he's seen women do this, has he? Like, the whole thing about this, there's this and it's pillow fights. In the mid-90s, grown women have pillow fights for some reason, yeah. and then in they their love knickers, it. they do. They absolutely love it's it. It's so fun. It's just bonkers. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is something you see in movies a lot. Remember, we talked about it on the Dracula episode where Winona mm. Ryder and Sadie Frost go out in the rain and they fucking find it hilarious they're soaked to the bone it's ridiculous look at us it's the same thing yeah i have a counter theory in this instance uh as opposed to it being sort of wrong like this isn't true i think it's very specific to ali and hedy because there's another scene shortly after this after she accepts hedy as her new roommate and they're carrying a table and the table tilts and everything slides off and yeah. smashes on the floor and they fall about the place. They piss themselves, they, don't they? It's, so I think their bonding is over the fact that these two women have met another woman who finds things hilarious that the rest of the world would find infuriating. Yeah. And I also think immediately with the fix, uh, the, the sink thing, immediately they're working together. It bonds them because they're teaming up and they're already getting some kind of connection over that. Uh, so... Hedy moves in um, uh, because of their shared love of accidents. And um, <laughs> she does quite rightly, however, say, Sam's, you're not going to get back with Sam because that would be really annoying for me because I'm going to move in. Yeah. Uh, and Ali, uh, not for the first time, ends up being a bit of a twat and goes, no, absolutely not. Which is a bit of a twatty thing to do, seeing as when she does accept Sam back, it's on the basis that he goes, sometimes people screw up. Come back. So Hedy has a right to be annoyed. Um, Everything is rosy. They eat ice cream. <laughs> That's something girls always do as well. We always go for ice cream. <laughs> they watch movies, old movies. Old movies, they yeah. They ruin an antique lamp by painting it pink. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth nothing now. Well done. Uh, and in fact, everything is so rosy that Ali can pretty much say anything to Hedy and it be okay. So they're walking down the street and Hedy, admiring Ali's outfit, says... Where did you learn to dress like that? It's so New York. That's lovely. And Ali's response is, well, I think you look very comfortable. <laughs> there was there ever a worse <laughs> this? It was so harsh. <laughs> the, the response there is, you fucking bitch. <laughs> you fucking bitch. It's just, Hedy doesn't say that. Yeah, but one of them does look sophisticated and one of them does look comfortable. Just, you can't, you don't say that to your friend. You never say you look comfortable. Reach, do better. Um, at this point, everything's fine. Uh, we are introduced to the shoebox of secrets uh, <laughs> that we're not going to be allowed to see until later, but we are made aware of its presence. And Hedy is 
very open about her backstory, which is that she had a twin, but she was stillborn, and so that's her story. Uh, now enter Buddy the Labrador Puppy. Uh, never, I don't think, in the history of movies has a character had dead meat so firmly tattooed on its forehead. Um <laughs> It's an interesting tool, I think, in the real world. This idea, I think it's really clever. This idea of purchasing uh, a pet to share is very clever. It's a very clever tactic because it creates an attachment with the person, whether it's a relationship or a friendship. You now have to always then consider this factor in breaking apart that friendship or relationship mm. for whatever reason. It, it it forces the other person, whoever they might be. Like It's a, it's a sign of, I think, probably weakness the the weaker person would insist on getting the pet because they were more nervous about losing the stronger person in that relationship thought i was sorry i wasn't expecting such honesty <laughs> jesus yeah I think, sorry i was waiting for you to make a snarky joke <laughs> <laughs> i mean i would just think normally it's a mutual decision it's a quite a strange thing yeah, to do but she's very clever in the way that she says she pretends that the dogs were being offered for free mm. at the market and that it, there's no problem even though we know she's bought it because yeah, we see her see chuck away the receipt the dog receipt but yeah. then that just gives but also it, you could read another uh, version of it where she's done something that she feels she genuinely feels Ali needs at that point which is to look after something because she's heartbroken mm -hmm. and it is nice to be able to use that energy in a different way um, but I agree completely with what I don't maybe not so much the weak and strong thing but maybe someone senses an opportunity to sort of force a bit of a bond mm. which doesn't necessarily make them weak but mm. uh, yeah I agree with you okay um, all is well uh, in the family until dipshit Sam turns up to offer a half-assed apology for sleeping with his ex-wife which as I said is People screw up. Uh, really needed to try harder than that. But that's all Ali needs. She's like, great, come on back. Uh, breaking her promise to Hedy, which is where things start to go wrong. So Hedy kills Buddy the dog. She she kicks him first. Well, yeah, yep. that's a good scene. That's very upsetting when she's yep. on her own in the in the apartment, uh, the sparse apartment. Mm -hmm. It's just her and the dog. There's no furniture. Uh, yeah, we see a kick out, which is one of the most shocking scenes in the film, I think. Agreed. Agreed. I'm saving it for my best scene thing, but yeah, it is the it, best Just because scene. you're best scene doesn't mean we can't talk about it until okay. then. Okay, so I was just saving it, but no, you're absolutely right. It's a powerful moment because she really fucking boots it. Yeah. I don't know if you're then allowed to put no animals were harmed in the I'm making not, of this I'm film. Not, yeah, I agree. <laughs> At the I end, because she really gives it a boot and it it's a great moment for her character and her performance. That dog flies out of shot very fast. Yeah. And the fact that we know she's she she will kick a puppy, I feel like this film robbed us of seeing her um boot buddy a bit like Jack Black boots uh Baxter in Anchorman. Okay. Or Ben Stiller boots the dog in something about Mary. Yeah, we we, we I think we're lacking a, a dog booting scene in this. We see the aftermath, but let's see her kick it out of there. If she if you if there had been a scene of her booting a Labrador puppy over the balcony, that would have been that would this movie would be talked about even yes, more. As much as fatal attraction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, puppy chucker, puppy booter. Either works. Um but she does uh, kill Buddy uh, because Buddy likes Ali more than her. And I have to say, as a dog owner, I get that so this morning as i was writing these notes simon was whining because netty had left and he was whining and whining and whining and i said to him we sat in the same room together and watched this movie yesterday 
do you fucking think this is the way to behave right now? Bearing in mind what I just watched, what you saw me watch, do you think maybe you should shut the fuck up? Because I know we live on a ground floor, but I can, I can find a bridge. You've got a kick on you. Did you? he? Did, uh, you know, I watch Gogglebox. I know how sometimes when dogs see dogs on the telly, they go a bit nuts. Mm. Um, what did Simon, what was Simon's reaction when he, he saw Buddy? He put his little paw over his eyes. Oh, he didn't. Did no, he? of course not. Oh, Come I, on, I don't know anything about dogs. <laughs> Can they not do that? Especially not the action that Alex just did. A dog can't do that. <laughs> Hasn't got Honestly. an elbow. Hasn't got an elbow. Oh yeah. No, but what about when they're led down? I think more importantly, I don't think that he understood the concept of what was happening in that scene. But that he said on Gogglebox they do. <laughs> no, let's go nuts when they see a dog on the telly. Oh, he'd right. have to be. He'd have to fit in a lot of blanks himself, wouldn't he? Yeah. As we did. As, as, I, guess, as, as I guess. I guess. Yeah. Dogs bark at dogs on TV. Right. Dogs don't understand the concept of finding a dog's body on the sidewalk <laughs> and understanding that it's been killed by a murderous flatmate. <laughs> Otherwise, it could help you out with your notes. <laughs> What I think is quite interesting at this point is that while Hedy is clearly uh, unhinged, Ali is not entirely comfortable with this burgeoning friendship between Hedy and Sam. Like, you'd sort of think that her flatmate, who she told was going to be able to stay there and Sam was never coming back. Now Sam's back and Hedy's making an effort with him, making breakfast. That seems to really get under Ali's skin. Yeah. That bit where she's like, do you want some breakfast? She's like, this is fine. Mm-hmm. Holding a peach. And you're like, well, this is weird. Ali at this point is quite uh, mm. quite unhappy with Hedy. But that's, isn't that because that's after the scene where Hedy goes into their bedroom in the world's most horrible nighty, <laughs> but it's undone to the top. She's like, night Sam. And so she's like, I see you, bitch. I see right. what this mm. is. The pieces are starting to fall into place for her. Mm. Um, Then we get uh, the horrible pervert Ned Ryerson scene. Oh, Um, man. At first, I've been a good boy and you've been a good girl. Because despite myself, when he's leaning over it, to use the computer, I was like, there you go, there's your rom-com, inverted commas, reach around, but this isn't going to work out the way I want it to work out. And it is really chilling. This film, towards the end, does feel overlong. And I do wonder if we need the Ned Ryerson, Mitch Myerson stuff, because her partner has screwed her over, her fiancé has screwed her over, her flatmate is screwing her over. Do we need a fourth person to be screwing Ali over? Um, especially where that where that plot line ends up going later in the film, mm. I just feel like this could be excised. I feel like someone that wants to make you know the the screenwriter wants to make this point about men like this, yeah, which is fine. But I uh, I just feel like it's one too many things to be going on in this sort of you know week long period in yeah. a her life. The way to make it work is when she goes home and Jennifer Jason Lee. That you know, you want a friend like that because Bridget Fonda's like, I don't know what to do. She's like, bitch, please, I'll fix this. And it's like, she's a great friend in that moment. Mm. But it doesn't really come to much. She makes a threatening phone call mm. that's got nothing to back it up. And if then at that point, Ali learns something from Jennifer Jason Lee and then uses it on her later, that's the whole point of that. But it, it, all she does is threaten him. Well, it means that once she's hung up, um, Ali can say, gee, Hedy, I hope you never get mad at me. It wasn't Which even might, that scary. It might be the most on-the-nose line we've ever done <laughs> on this podcast. Um, yep, that's what she says. And then uh, Hedy uh, goes ahead and gets her hair done exactly like Ali. The transformation is complete. I will say it does really suit her. It does. It looks great. They, I feel like with these hairstyles, they both look like 
a cross between Peter Pan and Tinkerbell at the same time. <laughs> uh, we do get to learn a bit more about Hedy now. Um, Ali goes to the shoebox, the shoebox of secrets, finds out Hedy had a twin and she died, but not as Hedy had said. She drowned age nine. She wasn't stillborn. Uh, and then we get uh, your classic New York, follow that cab mm. scene. <laughs> <laughs> These poor drivers, like just, so much pressure, just ridiculous. I mean, if you if someone actually got in your cab in New York and went, follow that cab, you just go, oh, shut yeah, Get out. <laughs> what are you doing? That's not how it works. You give me a destination, <laughs> I go there. I'm not just going to follow a cab. Um, but we go to a sex club. Yeah, what is going on at the sex club? Apart from, hello, Enigma Sadness Part 1. Aww. I haven't seen you for a while. <laughs> welcome back, old friend. So welcome back. <laughs> it's a very, very good song. Unfortunately, it meant that we got a lot of monk charting dance tunes. That's not a problem that year. for me. <laughs> I think two's your limit. Um, it's very strange. Again, is this film being very, is this film being judgy of the characters? Are we, are we sort of suggesting that, oh, there's something, might be something wrong with Hedy because she goes to an S&M club. But does she, because is it she working at the club no. or is she just frequenting She's the club? She's frequenting it, yeah. but but like it doesn't go anywhere. So yeah. that scene's only there to, to, to tell us, oh, there's something a bit odd about this one. Yeah. She's not right in the head where it's actually, no, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, it is quite a weird sex club. She goes in. It strikes me as a combination of the sex club from Seven with the bladed strap on coupled with the Blue Oyster Bar from the Police Academy movies. <laughs> it feels like a really unhappy amalgamation of the two. You do want one or the other, don't you? <laughs> you, can't, you can't have both. You, this film does seem to want too much. It wants Police Academy and Seven in the same film. But the only thing that really happens there is a woman comes up to her. Yeah. Uh, and is that because she thinks she's heady or is it just because she fancies her? And in which case, again, what is this film telling us and saying us about sex to us about sexuality but then a man tries to a man reaches out of a cage and lightly brushes her shoulders, like, ah! so I guess that's balance I don't know yeah it's a strange scene I did sort of want the camera to peek around the corner and find out what those people were watching oh, though. Yeah. there's the sound of a chainsaw and the woman like falls on like she's having a great time so yep uh then um, Graham finally goes, Ali, get rid of this woman. Uh, she's bad news. Um, and this sort of sets Hedy off on the, mm. the, the, the final spiral where she goes to visit uh, Sam, uh, pretending to be Ali. Just, um, one, just one thing prior to that, mm. which did at the time I was like, when I thought it was the source material was written by a woman, I was like, okay, well, what do I know? But after... Um, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee has whacked Graham mm. and she's covered in blood and she goes into the bathroom and she puts all her clothes in the sink. Period. She says, yeah. that, that always happens to me when I come on my period. It's like, yep. is it on your fucking collar? Because I, mean, <laughs> I don't think that's right. I, I'm not sure about that. I think you need to see a doctor. Uh, well, no, I've written down, why doesn't Ali call a doctor immediately? <laughs> this is an emergency. It's on your shoulder. It's like a fucking abattoir in here. What? That is not right. If that bl- amount of blood came out of a man, he'd be dead. Because he is. <laughs> Although he's not. He's, he's not. not even he's dead. Not. They the tricked best. us. Is yeah. It, well, is it a trick or is it just a bit ridiculous? I lost the, I lost him how long he'd been asleep in that bath. Uh, I want to know. He's got a cat. I thought immediately cats start eating you the, yeah, the second I, they get. I know he's not quite dead, but he seems dead. Why isn't that cat munching on him? Well, you're, he's sat I mean, on his shoulder. You're literally up there with um, dogs understanding the concept of uh, death in film. Uh, cats don't immediately start eating 
two people. They can't Who wait are to... you two people? Cats can't wait to eat you. I'm, I'll be honest, Simon would wait maybe a day longer and then he'd, he'd be munching on your, on your toes. That's a very specific relationship between a man and a dog. There is enough hate there that, uh, that he would eat me. I mean, he's tried to eat me when I'm awake. So... We're on to, uh, and I think I'm, I'm quoting Chris directly here, the most erotic scene in cinema <laughs> history. It's, it's horny. The, the most erotic scene in cinema history where uh, Hedy, pretending to be Ali, starts performing oral sex on Sam. My question is, where does your allegiance lie in this scene? Because Sam realises mm. it's not Ali. Uh-huh. Well, you're but expecting Han- him to not realise. I, I, that's, that's what's interesting about the scene. I think yeah, you're expecting him to not know until afterwards that it wasn't his missus. But they've chosen to have him realise and not do anything. Well, here's my question. Mm. At that point, they're quite far along. They are. Um, So, for for want of a better way of explaining it, it is mind over matter and quite literally Sam's matter exiting his body at that point. So do you think he was capable in that situation of stopping the process. I don't know why you're looking at me. <laughs> I can't answer that question. <laughs> I think I think it's, it's important how much time it, it, you know elapses between him realizing and him mm. um, coming. And I think they leave enough time for him to stop. Yeah, but he doesn't. No, nope. which is a very interesting choice. I mean, yeah. also, I, I guess the other side of that coin is. His dick is in her mouth and she's pretending she's pretending to be his missus. Like, this is a very messed up situation and there must be some fear. Like, what if she clamps down her teeth if I say or do anything in right. this situation? Like, right. I think there might be some fear there as well. It's like, oh, this is a yeah, messed up I think you situation I'm suddenly you in. You can't say to him, you are entirely complicit in this because you, you finished, you didn't move away because he could be scared. And if it was reversed... It's a rape. It's yeah, non-consensual no, he's, he's, sex. Yes. And which I hate that too. I don't know why I've just fucking said that. It's a rape. Um, but because it's a man, we think, oh well, he could have prevented that. Oh, yeah, he he's, could being have done assault- he's being assaulted by the fact yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, because but, of but what we shouldn't done. let's not go to, oh, you could have done something. Because I don't, you know, I don't like it when it goes the other mm. way. So okay. I would apply the same principle onto that scene. Um and he seems afterwards really sad and he does yeah, he's like, got a sad face yeah, yeah it wasn't worth it he's broken like, yeah. he's broken uh, but it does mean that we get there's to see there's a certain a amount little... of self-loathing that comes with that moment anyway yes so Isn't yeah I agree oh, okay. can, can um, oh but that's it... a shame really okay oh, yeah. alright yeah. we'll talk about it later but that's a shame <laughs> um, it does mean that we get to see a little bit of penis did we see some penis? Yeah, when he walks over, you could see it sort of. No, but... <laughs> We're waving. waving. Sort of no, sort of between his legs, sort of do do what penises do. Flapping. But no, I, I I'm being serious. I think it's important because there's so much female nudity in this film. Yeah. I think it does balance up a little bit to at least see some male nudity. For sure, and I, I agree with you. I just feel like it's so unsexy, and I'm not I because agree. of the content of the just the way it's lit, shot, framed the chair sex that they have earlier, it's meant to be sexy and it just feels really cold. And maybe that's on purpose, but to me, I just, I pictured this film set, this European director just being like, everybody strip and everybody being like, oh, really? Like it just <laughs> didn't, it didn't deliver. And I, I think the actors probably felt like they were in something quite steamy and it doesn't look like that on screen. It just feels really exploitative. Like, People walk around in their knickers all the time for no apparent reason. They get the get dripping wet through with the tap for no reason. Like it's. But that was the appeal of these films as well, of yeah, this yeah. genre. It was getting people off. 
you know, when pornography wasn't readily available, when there wasn't as much sex on the telly, like you, you were expected to put TNA in these movies yeah. because that's why people were going to see them. Yeah. Yeah. Especially 14-year-old boys. I know. It's just, I think it's the bit where he lets it continue to its natural conclusion. and But as he ejaculates, he kind of crunches up, like he brings his knees up around his he head, does, like yeah. in sort of like... Like revulsion at the fact he's gone this far with it, mm-hmm. but still sort of pleasure. It's a really strange moment. Yeah, he's humiliated. Mm. Um, and that's very strong. And I mean, she doesn't, in my imagination, she laughs, but she doesn't laugh, does she? She should laugh. But... Uh, and on that bombshell, <laughs> let's take a break. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. Right, uh, so uh, that happened, um, and now uh, Hedy is making her point, uh, which is that Sam went ahead with it. She, he knew it was her, and guys like Sam never change. Uh, this all feels like a bit of a pointless conversation because ten seconds from now he gets a stiletto heel through the eyeball, mm. which is brilliant. Yeah, and then she she leaves in those stilettos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's not going to walk around barefoot, and those look like expensive shoes. Mm. I mean, they should really be the first thing you clean when you get in. You don't leave a bloody stiletto <laughs> on the bathroom floor because that's a mistake. Uh, but it's then, a period, though, isn't it? It's fine. <laughs> it just went everywhere. By that point, Ali is like, it's weird if there's not blood in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, she opens the elevator door. It's like The Shining. <laughs> oh, that time of the month is it? <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, this is the point for me where the film starts to come apart at the seams. What, the ending? <laughs> yeah, the last, well, it, I'd say there's still about half, a good half an hour to go after Sam's death. And it, it's all sort of like going in and out of Graham's apartment, Ali sellotape to a chair in front of the TV, <laughs> Ali sellotape to a chair in front of a computer, security knocking on the door and leaving, pervert Ned Ryerson turning up and getting shot. It's all uh, Ali getting in some luggage to see if, if, if <laughs> uh, sorry, Hetty getting some luggage to see if Ali will fit in the luggage, <laughs> even though 
and no one says this during the film at all. She's about five inches taller. <laughs> like they're constantly getting mistaken for each other. She, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I guess my question about this ending is... I could save it for the change, but I think while we're talking about the ending, we might as well do it now. Like, what is Hedy's plan here? Like, for me, this film at the end could be fantastic if they just streamlined it so much. Like, it would be so much better if she just realised, like, and she sort of leans on this a bit. Hedy realises there's no fucking evidence of her being there. Yeah, yeah. She's not on the lease. She's wiped down the flat for fingerprints. Someone even thinks it was Ali because they look the same, leaving Sam's after she died. So she has the perfect alibi. She should be at this point going, I've committed the perfect crime. I'm out of here. I'm going to frame you for it by making it look like you've killed yourself. And that's that. But you're absolutely right because there's a suggestion and if it had been smarter, you could have had the the physical... Uh, results of that, which is um, Hedy's got the perfect alibi, but you could have played with the fact that maybe she is a little bit all in her imagination. Like, take the audience down that road just for a tiny little bit. Like, has Ali made up this person because she's so desperately lonely and she's actually very strange Mm -hmm. and all the rest of it? And then, obviously, that's not the way it is and you can just, like, sort of get rid of that. But... To, to like hint at it for Hedy to be like I don't, I'm not even here and you're mm. like oh fuck yeah exactly. I got so excited at that yeah, point yeah. I was like oh shit so maybe she's going to get away with it yeah and then you get into that messy thing where it's like the kiss and it's like come to LA things will be different in LA I promise things will be different and then then she starts writing a suicide note and that is brilliant though when you good. see how yeah. there's a scene earlier where Hedy's saying to Ali look at me compared to you you're perfect you've got this great personality and you're thinking you haven't got a personality but then you realise that Hedy is sort of lying like when the way she switches when she makes her write out the suicide note and you think she's talking about herself she's like signed Ali Jones <laughs> it's so good and then she says to her you know at some point you're so weak and it's like she never thought she was this great girl and had it all I don't think she was just flattering her uh, and Ned Ryerson, our sexual predator, nearly becomes the hero of the movie. That's weird, yeah, isn't I it? That Very down. strange. Like, also, she's lying on the floor. She's like, here is my attacker. Help me. And it's like, that's obviously I understand why you need to ask him for help. But that's very conflicting for you. And also, this is really cheap, but he could have been like, oh, this is handy. Like, I mean, you're tied up on the floor. Previously, I was about to assault you. So if we've got a bit of time, but that doesn't come up. We get some insight into the psychology of Hetty here, though, in that she says, talking about identical twins, she says there's always one who is prettier, the other one does all the work, and she says she used me and then she left me. Yeah. Mm. So it gives us more of a sense of where she's coming from. But it, I'm still confused as does she want Ali to be her lover or her sister or <laughs> her best friend? And, and maybe it's fair to say that she's switching between all these feelings because she's lost her mind. But equally, I don't know, I think... It would be more satisfying if, if the film decided what she wanted. There's a lot of ideas at the end that it throws at us and then rather than sort of deal with any of them in a coherent way, we just get a sort of slasher light stalker <laughs> bit candy in the man. basement. Candyman. Yeah, she does go full Candyman. That's a hook. And, um, and then Screwdriver in the Back and Death. Um, and so, yeah, the questions are... Was Hedy broken because she blamed herself for his twin sister's death? Or did she kill her twin sister because that bit where she says identical twins are never really identical. There's always one who's prettier. She used me and then left me. I think there's a question mark over... And then I drowned her. Right. That's what I was waiing for her to say it, and so I taught her a lesson. But the fact that she didn't say that, and she said she used me and then she (laughs) left me, makes me think that she did did die of natural causes. Yeah. Mm. 
Uh, well, uh, the end, uh, and I know how you feel about narration at the start. How do you feel about a narration at the end of the film, uh, which is Ali basically saying she never forgave herself for surviving. That's new information at the very end of a film. <laughs> Where's that come from? Brand new theory. Thanks, Ali. Um, and then Ali goes on to say, I try to do what she never could. Forgive myself. I know what can happen to someone who doesn't. You're like, this is all new. What are you talking about? What is this? And then that awful song kicks in and I was like, fuck this movie. Oh my God, that song. What <laughs> song is it? Oh God, I don't even it's, know. I couldn't be bothered to find out. It's Chrissy Hines singing, what is it? Something understanding. Like it's a cover version, I think. Okay, oh, it's just, worry. it's bloody awful. The photo's good though, isn't it? Where they're like, I mm. like that, 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 you know, each half of their face sort of, not spliced together, but laying mm. over the top of and, each other. And I think the film does a lot of interesting things with mirrors and reflections. And even just before she takes the screenwriter back at the end, she's surprised by her own mm. reflection. And I think because maybe she's mm. she's not even seeing herself anymore. I think it's really interesting, these little things that it does, um, sort of the way the film looks design-wise. But um, yeah, it's it's the, the, the narration, the ending, the words she says, it's bad. It's a bad end. It's bad. What do you think? I didn't even like the photo, if I'm totally honest. I didn't know what it was meant to mean. It was like, well, what's the significance Well, she's of saying, it? you know, she became me and I could become her if I don't forgive myself. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I just Forgive herself it. for what? Uh, that Sam got killed as right. a result of her inviting this woman into her life. Okay. I think is what she's trying to say. Right. She's not really to blame, though. I mean... No, she's not. It's, it's, yeah. But then that's sort of like what... What's Hedy not forgiving herself for? We suggest- but she is quite, I mean, she's a bit of a prick anyway. Like, the same with, <laughs> <laughs> it's the same with the hand that rocks the cradle. These these women, these needy women paying effectively. So, you know, the, the apartment is presented as a gift. She's like, you've won the competition. You can be my friend. And it's like, okay, whatever. Like, the power there is all distorted. And then in the hand that rocks the cradle, gee, you know, Peyton is being paid to listen to Claire. Claire, one point, we should, I should have said this on Monday, but she's like, oh, we christened every room when we moved in here. It's like, yuck, I don't want to fucking know that. I'm your nanny. Shut up. But these women <laughs> need to pay or gift to get friendship. And so I came. I come away from single white female thinking, oh, like Ali is the worst person. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't deserve to live at the end. I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you have to buy your friends. And what does that say about you? Oh, well, you're going to like the bits today. Has anyone got anything else <laughs> on the movie? Um, have you seen the sequel? What's it called? I think it's called Single White Female. The Psycho? No, it's not. It is, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Who's in it? No one. <laughs> uh, I just think it's sad when you're doing the research realising that Bridget Fonda stopped acting. This, yeah. Tell me what happened. I love Bridget Fonda, but why do I love her so much? I can't put my finger on it because it must have been this back in the day. And then and then what? The Assassin was the one I yeah. saw. Um, and Singles... Which you guys, I don't think had seen when I mentioned it before. You should both see singles. Cameron Crowe, okay. she's really oh, okay. good in that. Um, no, but Jackie Brown as well. She's the, really no, good in Jackie, Jackie Brown. Brown. Oh, shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she's that's brilliant probably her most... in that. Yeah. But that was sort of later, Bridget. Yeah, it was. So then, what happened to her? She well, th- th- there's not specifics. There's two things happened. She had quite a nasty car crash. Right. Her back quite badly. Um, but equally around that time, she also she married Danny Elfman, mm. wanted to start a family, and she had talks about in the press, she, you know, balancing being an actress with having a family. She, she might just nanny. want to have a family. <laughs> she <needs a> nanny. <laughs> so yeah, uh, well, either way, she she just decided to to jack it in. Yeah, it's a shame because she's brilliant. Mm. 
And on that, time for the bits. Uh, right then, uh, let's start uh, as we always do with best scene. Uh, Chris, your best scene. Cheeky blowy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you said it induces feelings of shame. I don't understand you. And it's also the most erotic scene in the film. Uh, but, no, because it's so messed up, and because of the conversation we just had around it. Mm. Um, I think it's 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 the sh- most shocking scene in the film. It's the one you come away kind of talking about and discussing, and the fact that there's so many layers to it and ways it can be taken. I think it's uh, the best scene in the film. Victoria. Um, the hair reveal, the slow-mo that um, Hedy does when she's walking down the steps of the hairdresser. So first of all, she's gone to a hairdresser's over two levels, which I'm very jealous of because it looks great. And she's like, uh, 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 check out my hair. And Bridget Fonda is horrified. And I think um, to for a man to have written that, I love that because when you have these tropes that irritate me, like the, the water fight and all of that, you take something that would be fun in kids, but in a grown-up is, is actually horrifying. And the writers of understood of the book and the script have understood that perfectly. That these tropes that sometimes get thrown at women, like oh, we just want to copy each other and borrow our clothes and do whatever, in grown-up women mm. is quite scary. And so I think the hair slow mo pays uh, gives that enough weight. Right. Well, mine is, uh, I mentioned it earlier, it's when she's eating ice cream, watching TV. This is Hedy and Buddy is trying to chew her shoe and she already decided that the dog is just worthless to her if it hasn't worked on convincing Allie that she should love her forever. (laughs) She boots the thing hard across the room. (laughs) It's just this real, you know, I I hope the dog's okay. Uh, But the first real flicker of that rage inside her, it's the first time you see it from her character and it's very effective. MVW, mm. uh, Victoria. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee for the moment, which I didn't mention earlier, but I think it's around the perfume scene. And at this point, you think Hedy is just this very, maybe a bit intense, but quite sweet girl. And she surreptitiously sniffs Bridget Fonda's neck. And it's not sweet. It's weird. <laughs> and it's really dark. And she goes like, mm, and loves it. But Bridget Fonda doesn't notice. And it's like, that's messed up, but fun. That or the apartment. The apartment mm. is astonishing. God, it's gorgeous. Mm. Nick, you could do with some furniture. Yeah, I mean, I quite like it. <laughs> and Ali needs to grow up. Her bed's on the floor. <laughs> I know. And also she's got her pillows at the other end so that the person across from her can just see everything. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like genitals to the window. Mm. I don't think that's how you should sleep. <laughs> um, I, I like the fact, I agree that it looks good with no furniture. Like, do you know, does it not always upset you when you first move into a place and there's mm. nothing in it yeah. and how massive it looks and you start putting stuff into it and about yeah. two years later you're like, fuck this place. <laughs> It's so small. I hate that. Uh, Chris, you're MVW. Um, I feel sorry for Buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I don't know if I'm going to make him my MVW, but yeah, justice for Buddy. Um, I like Bridget Fonda's clothes. Yeah. I like that early 90s style. I think she looks great, and I think it's a it's it's a good time capsule of, of fashion in that era, that cool New York fashion. There's an idea of this being like a forerunner to like sex in the city in terms of like professional women, fashionable women, you know, the gay I'm best friend. Not, I would have watched Sex and the City more if they had more uh, stiletto <laughs> murder. More dogs over balconies. <laughs> SJP, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, you out. Um, I, MVW then. Uh, what did, so you're going for... Bridget Fonda's wardrobe. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, mine is Jennifer Jason Lee as well. Uh, I, I think it's not her fault that the end of the film uh, sucks because uh, I think uh, it's the character of Hedy that is just ridiculously confused on the page. Uh, until then, she's bloody brilliant. Right, finally, what changes would you make, Chris? 
I'm a bit all over the place, this one, but I feel like we've talked about it. I just think they, I wish they'd done more to explore Hedy's background and motives rather than explaining stuff away in the final two lines of narration of mm. the film. I think they could have cleared stuff up. I, uh, I do think it's uncomfortable what, they, what they're saying about Hedy and, you know, it, it, did they throw the lesbian thing in there at the end with the kiss? You know, it's the same year as Basic Instinct. And are they exploiting this, trying to create some kind of lesbian panic in cinema rather than actually telling a more thoughtful, sensitive story? So, yeah, I just wish they'd done more with her backstory. Yep, agreed. Fee? Um, I think we uh, it misses an opportunity to explore more of Bridget Fonda's character and that she's possibly not as innocent or as uh, guileless as she's made out. When she talks to Mitch Meyerson about her business partner, he uses that as an excuse to sort of fuck her over with the fee that he gives her. But she's like, oh, you don't listen to her. It's clear the business partner is a woman. We fell out, blah, blah, blah. And so she's got a history of bad fallouts with important women in her life already, but we don't really go there. So she's just made out that she's a victim of Hedy's madness, but it would be nice. And it ties into the thing we were talking about earlier that Hedy could possibly be in her imagination. Um, I just wish we'd had more of um, that this woman is also not to be trusted in terms of the way that she deals with big blow ups in her personal life with other women. Very good. Yeah. Um, I've got two. Uh, one's a very short, uh, which is I'd like to see more of Hedy in that sex club or wherever mm. she goes. I'd just like to get an idea of how she gets her kicks. <laughs> well, we see her in the bookstore snapping at someone, which is quite a funny <laughs> But thing. it'd be interesting to know, like, what, 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 aside from obviously being obsessed with Ali, I think what's fascinating about that scene is the idea that she's like, I'm going out. I'm doing my own thing and I'm having fun and this is what Hedy does mm. for fun that isn't based around her obsession with Ali. I think that would be interesting. But mainly, though, I've rewritten the ending. Uh, so Hedy killed her twin because of jealousy uh, and she feels so guilty for drowning her twin age nine. Uh, as you so, should. As you should. As you should. But she did because she was the prettier twin and she was always jealous of her. But so to make up for that, she's always picking prettier girls um, to fill in this dead twin role and therefore ends up hating them over and over again and killing them. So at the end, you'd get none of this come to L.A. with me. Things will be different, I promise. She just used Ali and needs to move on to her next target and is setting up the perfect crime And uh, because there's no record of her. And it ends with Ali being dragged away by the cops as heady watchers. The epilogue, the mid-credit sequence is Hedy sitting in LA at a cafe with another girl. They have the same hair. Mm. <laughs> That's brilliant. Right? Mm. It's very, very good. Like Exceptional. That. Ali goes to jail because she's a bit of a twat anyway, yeah. and Hedy gets away with it. I thought you were going to say she becomes a nanny. <laughs> <laughs> right, that is Single White Female. It went up against the hand that rocks the cradle. It is time for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! Victoria, these were your films. Why don't you take us through the verdict? Uh, so I have to go last, don't I? Mm-hmm. Uh, by the rules of... Whatever you want. Unless you think it's going the wrong way and then you can jump in. Yeah, we, well, we mess with the rules. Yeah, we, we mess with it sometimes. Oh, okay, okay. To, okay. to drag out the tension. Yeah. <laughs> drag out the tension, V. Sure. Um, I don't know which way either of you are going to go. Is that the right thing to say in terms of tension yeah, building? Yeah, fine. great. Uh, so Chris, you can go first. Okay, well, we just talked about single white female. I do think it both drags out and fumbles the ending. I think there's a problem there. Um, But, you know, these are both very silly, very entertaining films. 
I think one is more entertaining than the other. I think it's the one that really, truly commits, and that's The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Ooh. Interesting. Um, I'll jump in then. Uh, so I actually really enjoy both these films. They're both flawed. Uh, very hard to pick. Um, I do agree with you, Chris. The final act of Single White Female is a mess um, compared to what it could have been. It peters out, whereas Hand That Rocked the Cradle delivers what you want. Big reveals, big moments, big death for Peyton, which I really think Single White Female, if you're going to kill Hedy, it needs to be better than a screwdriver in the back. You need to push her out the window like she did to Buddy or something. There needs to be a better death because Peyton falling out of that window onto the white picket fence is one of the best moments in Hand That Rocks the Cradle and it doesn't have a moment like that. That said, overall, for all its weirdness, Buddy going over the side and just that overhead shot of a bloody Labrador puppy on the sidewalk. Admittedly, I don't find it as erotic as Chris, but that whole blowjob scene is fucked up. Um, there are enough moments um, in Single White Female that I'm giving it to Single White Female. <gasps> Interesting. Okay, so I did enjoy both of these very much. I don't think I'll watch them again, but still, mm-hmm. um, a fun week. I think The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, I think there's a better film underneath it. I think the film that we see is actually smothering a much better film. So if Peyton and her husband were like a weird team um, and she's lost her wingman and so she's out alone in the world with her weirdness, if she was more duplicitous in what she's up to. But Single White Female loses a lot of points for me for the nudity that doesn't feel at all erotic beyond just seeing skin. Um but then the apartment, the apartment is fit. So that's difficult. But really, what it comes down to is we're talking about deranged women. And so I have to go with the the only one that's got a woman's voice in there authentically, which would be the writer Amanda Silver. So it has to be the hand that rocks the cradle. Bang. Again, this must be, th- I think this is three weeks in a row where I've lost. <laughs> it happens. And you lost the quiz. So. All right. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> These things come in threes as well, mate. So watch out. <laughs> The Hand That Rocks the Cradle is this week's winner. Congratulations to that movie. I would say The Hand That Rocks the Cradle rules the world this week. Also, oh. it doesn't, though, does it? That, sorry, that, <laughs> that annoys me. The Hand That Rocks the Cradle definitely doesn't rule the world. It is busy and tired and it's rocking a cradle. And so it's, well, it's not. building a greenhouse. <laughs> 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 sorry, carry on. Uh, thanks. Let's do next week's movies then. Um, I gave you a clue. On Monday's episode, for next week's pairing, rich people are a different breed. I am going to give Christopher society. Oh, no. And I am going to give you, Victoria, they live. Okay. Oh, can I make an announcement? Can whoever I lent my copy of Society to on Blu-ray please give it back? Because I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I need it. Okay. Um I didn't realise that was a new section of the show. <laughs> I'm um, I'm looking for a gardener in the North London area. Um, Vicky needs a nanny. <laughs> I do. So, uh, yeah, if you could uh, get in touch with us. Don't bring references. <laughs> We're not those kind of people. Uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, we are on Twitter at ClashPod or show at ClashPod.com. Once again, they live and society, if you haven't oh. seen it, Have fun with that. Those are our movies. Apologies in advance. (laughs) For next week, uh, you're going to have fun with them. If you haven't seen them, I promise. And if you have, oh, they're a good pairing, even if I do say so myself. Uh, Please uh, do keep in touch. And uh, also subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or other, and rate and review us if you have the time. It's much appreciated. Back on Monday. Bye-bye.
This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 